Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me again. This is Captov. My name is Michael McCullough, and welcome to my podcast. Today, uh, I want to talk about the future of work. Well, I guess it's sort of what I think the future of work might look like and sort of where I think things are trending. Uh, there's a lot of change happening in companies today. Uh, it's not a new thing. I mean, change is always going on, but this move from the industrial age to the information age, uh, we're still in the throes of it. And I think there's a, a, a big shift happening right now, particularly in corporate cultures, organizations, um, head offices, as that move from the industrial age to the information age starts to impact how we structure and look at people and work uh, in, you know, you know, head offices and companies in the West. So, uh, this is again, it's my crystal ball. I may be way off. I could be way wrong, but it's just where I think things are trending and topics I can talk about here are things about automation, uh, a bit about people and how we look at people and workers. Uh, and then we'll look about, you know, um, you know, people and companies in integrating principle-based systems as well as role-based systems. And then finally around organizational structure, I want to talk about a move from a hierarchical structure to a networked organizational structure. So with that, let's begin. Uh, and let's begin with automation. So, uh, you know, if today, you know, you're in a job or you see jobs that are, you know, you are following procedures or people are following a set of steps that are defined by someone else. In other words, somebody hands you, here's what your job is. You do these steps to accomplish this. Most of these jobs at the moment are, I would suggest, would say, are probably in jeopardy for being eliminated or automated. Mostly automated. Uh, it's um, it's part of it's part of the trend. Um, you know, when we look at globalization and costs in our geography, uh, the difficulty of staying competitive in a global marketplace is demanding that you know companies just have to automate this uh, and automate these roles. And and um, on top of that. Uh, you know, if you're in a role where you're managing groups of people who are following a set of steps and procedures and your job is to help them through change or introducing new steps and rules for those groups, there's a good chance that your role might get eliminated, too. In fact, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the companies in the West today have ex excessive management. Uh, there's a sort of this industrial age, um, you know, hangover where we have we've set up a model where, you know, we have. You know, people who are following steps and rules and procedures and being managed by, you know, people who are helping them, ensuring that they're following those steps and uh, preventing change or introducing change for those people. So automation, uh, this is, you know, a, a, a big trend, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, which is going to change the face of work. And what people look at is office work today is not going to look like it will in the future. In fact, I, at least my opinion. In fact, I think, you know, people look back at this now and, and see it as being uh, kind of quaint and antiquated uh, that we had people who would perform functions that machines and, you know, robots and, you know, uh, computers can do uh, for us. Now, moving on. So as, as we look into a move from where people are no longer uh, following sort of sets of rules, procedures, steps, uh, this is again moving away from that mindset from the industrial age where 
you know, you'd look, you'd define what that special skill set is to perform the function, and then you'd find higher people who are best equipped or had the skills to perform that job. So most hiring procedures uh, will start today, and this is my experience, you know, yours may be different, and that's cool. Start with a view of skills. So what are the skills we need for this job or for this role? And then what are the, what's the experience? Like what areas have they worked in and how many years have they worked in that area? And then finally, people will look at the person, the personality, the fit uh, for that person with the group and company. Now, uh, now some will argue, oh, no, we're always about people. And, and that's fair. I'm, I'm sure a lot of companies do spend a, a good amount of time on this. However, most interviews that I've seen tend to start first on skills and experience. And in fact, you don't get to do the interview on the personality until you have those. So it's a bit of a gate to get in the door to have that first meeting on the person. So here's where I think it's moving though, because uh, the, the, the notion that you're going to be able to define the skills that are required for a particular role uh, for now and six months out or five years out uh, start, is, start, is starting to not make a lot of sense. The world is, um, is uh, recognizing that variability is always there. It has always existed. Uh, and with more and more companies introducing improvements and change into the way they work, this is causing pressure for other companies to change and quickly adapt the way they work. And so getting um, people to follow a set of narrow rules with a very narrow set of skills is very fragile. And uh, really, hiring people on that skill set alone is going to be is not going to make economic sense. It's going to stop making economic sense very soon, in my opinion. Now, where I think it's going to move to is is focusing on the people and the person, and so looking for people who uh, can understand and learn learn new things quickly. Learn so the you know and an, an aptitude towards learning, but importantly, learning and bridging ideas. So connecting different disciplines and uh, or connecting with people from different disciplines to bridge ideas and solve complicated problems. And so these this ability to um, to invent to in. in integrate new ideas, but integrate with other people with other ideas, uh, be able to collaborate with them is, I believe, the skill for the future and what, what companies are going to start to look to hire for. You know, when you're getting, when you're trying to create creative, inventive teams, uh, this is uh, something that is not a skill. It's not an expertise. It's an aptitude and attitude towards towards this with the ability to think critically, to, um, to be uh, to have the humility to recognize that you're not an expert and that you need to work with others and rely on others uh, to be, create a collaborative generative culture that is able to create new ideas. So, so the in inversion here that I see is that I think it's going to start with people as people, as companies start to look at adding more, adding new people into their company, starting first with the personality of that person, do the, uh, the aptitude, the attitude to work in a cross-functional team, to learn and bridge new ideas. I think moving up from there, moving into the experience, like how long have you been doing this? But in fact, but on top of that, you know, what, what areas of business technology, where have you worked? I think that'll still be relevant for sure. And then finally, people will look at skills. And, and I think the, the reason it'll be finally is because the truth is, of all of these things I've mentioned, skills are the easiest to gain. Uh, interestingly enough, companies seem to focus on this first. 
even though the experience in person are actually the the harder the harder elements of you know that that culture that person uh, to integrate into your company. So uh, again, moving away from sort of this very um, reductionist view of people as just um, you know machines that have skills into um, a view of people who are inventive, creative, and bring an attitude and aptitude towards bringing new ideas, uh, bridging new ideas, and working with others. So now let's move on into principle-based systems because um, right now the industrial age, or the what we have left over from that, is a very strong focus on rule-based culture. Uh, so when I say rules and principles, let me I'll help differentiate the two. And the example I often give is the example of well, it's from the, the world of the of health and medical. Or it's it's the Hippocratic Oath, which is often paraphrased as first do no harm." Now this principle. Uh, is, uh, you know, it, it, it's informative for many different activities and rules that people may, will do as doctors. But let's just cover one quick one, the, the hand washing protocol before surgery. So uh, this is not something that is up to the doctor's discretion. There is a strong protocol that one must follow. These are rules before you go into an operating theater. Not only do you wash your hands, but how you wash your hands and uh, the way to check to ensure that it's been done properly is very strict, is a very strict rule-based system. But it's driven by that principle-based system of doing no harm. Now, uh, let's let's look at this. Let's say look uh, if we look into the future and imagine, uh, let's say, where there is remote surgery occurring. So let's say a physician or a surgeon no, no longer needs to be in the room. Maybe they can be thousands of miles away performing surgery. Now, the, 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 the strict protocol on hand washing in that case stops making as much sense. So the rule... The rule-based system needs to change at that point, but the principles don't. And principle-based systems are necessary to create teams and cultures within your company to continually evolve the rule-based systems that they're managing. And so what you need to be doing is establishing first the principles, rules that rules that are aligned with that, but you're teaching your teams to work within those principles to continually be adapting those rules based on the change that's occurring outside of your system, your company, for that matter, is what it comes down to. So this is this is going to be, uh, you know, in in my opinion, I think this is going to be a bit of a change for a lot of people who are more used to what are the rules. And, uh, you know, and I'm I'm involved quite a bit in agile adoption, agile transformation, digital transformation. And it's not unusual for me to be asked for, well, tell me my new agile procedure. Tell me what I need to do. Uh, you know, can we just get past all of this, uh, you know, <laughs> principle based stuff and, and value based stuff? And uh, it's unfortunate. I feel bad for people in that spot because I, I do worry for them in the future because there's not going to be a body there to give them new rules. Uh, the, the truth is companies are going to require people who are going to be able to come come and start with a set of rules, but have learn to evolve those rules with a focus on principles and their ability to continually advance the product, the company with principles and evolving the rules as needed. So again, this information age, this move towards this is a principle and rules, principle-based systems and rule-based systems that are aligned and connected, um, you know, initiated or, or led with a culture by leadership. Um, but, you know, teams on the ground are continually evolving the rules in alignment with principles. Okay.
Now, finally, this gets down to structure and the uh, moving away from the standard hierarchical structure that uh, many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with. If you look at most org charts and companies today, it looks like a big pyramid at the top and becoming fatter as you go down. Uh, this is a direct uh, translation of the industrial age view of you know decomposing uh, you know, the set of all the functions that you need in your company, breaking them down into their various components and activities, and, you know, they're managed uh, given procedures all the way down. And it's, it's again, just like that, that view from the industrial age, it's a reductionist view, closed system view. It's made for stasis, so a world that doesn't change. The challenge with this is, is a, the saying over and over again, is that the world is changing. It always has changed. Uh, the rate of change is happening much faster now, which is, uh, you know, which does not enable companies to, you know, uh, maintain the inefficiencies of these large corporate structures, hierarchical structures that are built for stasis. And I, I think there'll be a move now towards uh, networked organizations and networked organizations that are limited um, towards size. And I'll explain that in a moment, but also focused on uh, the focus for these, this structure is around value streams. And currently most, if you look at organizational structures are about the activities or functions and people plan and talk about the roles or activities and functions that are being done. So maybe you do accounting or you do sales or you do HR. These are all functions. These are not delivering value. They're just your role. So it's it's going to be a move towards companies that are, are aligning themselves towards value streams. So what are we delivering to the market? And to deliver to the market, maybe I do need to involve some accounting and I need to involve some sales. I need to involve some HR. I need to involve some engineering, any product management, whatever all these roles are. Uh, but coming from those groups uh, in a cross-functional way, but their alignment is based on the value stream, not your activity or your role. And, um, and on top of that, they're bringing them together into, again, more of an organic size. So it's a limiting this size. So, uh, and, and relying on natural models for uh, for self-organization as you grow and you add more and more teams, not, not allowing for massive size teams. So there's a quick, quick example here. So if we look at sort of how the size of human communities over time, they tend be, you know, they tended to be about 80. 80 people was about what you'd have in a little community or a, a size community where people knew each other well enough that it was a stable community. Uh, now, as soon as you get bigger than that, you start to require, uh, you know, more rules. You need to externalize a lot of things. So keeping things to a, to a right size, I think, is going to be important uh, for this networked organizational structure. And it needs to be in building blocks that enable the growth of not only, let's say, a value stream, the ability to enable further delivery on that, but also for the organization itself to evolve. So again, so uh, a networked organization moving from that hierarchical organization. So now there's a, uh, you know, four areas I think I see as change and where I think things are going. I, I, I do sometimes have concerns about what that future looks like. I, uh, I wonder if, 
you know, because of these jobs that are being replaced, you know, they're not being replaced by, you know, for every person who loses, let's say, a job in an office, it doesn't mean, oh, there's another job in, in automation that's emerging right now. That's just not the case. So what what we what I'm I'm hopeful of is that what this does is it enables our culture or our society, our companies, our industries to start to engage more and more people in the inventive creative process so that so that ultimately, actually, the pace of change and the pace of improvement and technological advancement actually starts to accelerate. Uh, so this is my hope, although who knows? I mean, some people are arguing that, well, we just won't have there will not be um, a need for the capacity we have today for all the people. And so you know, they're talking about coming up with, you know, guaranteed incomes and ways for people to still exist, but not maybe perhaps not contributing uh, in an economic way, uh, which I think is unfortunate, I think is perhaps uh, not the future I want. So I'm, I'm more hopeful towards a future where more and more people are involved in an inventive, creative enterprise. So with that, uh, I hope you enjoyed my little show, my little podcast. Uh, please reach out if you have any thoughts or questions. Please subscribe. I, I certainly appreciate anyone who did subscribe and listening to me. And, uh, you know, I look forward to speaking to you again. With that, take care, all. Thank you.